0: Hey dreamers today my guest is making his dreams come true by bringing ideas to life it's something that I absolutely love uh, he He has a lot of um, involvement with product creation, which is something that uh, in another life I probably would be a uh, what's it industrial engineer myself. Uh, if it didn't require so much schooling and a totally different path of life than I've already taken. Um, and maybe at some point I, I go into that field. I don't, I don't know, but for, for right now, that's not on the cards. Uh, dreamers. I give you Philip Valitia, I got it. right, Right. Right. Got it. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show, Philip
1: uh thanks for having me joe it's uh It's definitely my pleasure to give you on the show
0: yes, yes, I'm so glad that you reached out to me uh because you you just recently started your your own show up correct
1: yeah back in march
0: back in March okay, so this year, which is awesome uh congratulations on that. It's always great to have more podcasters in the fray uh you know because that's people getting their voice heard is is so important uh and and doing it through podcasting is a great way for everyone to come together and connect with people that are like-minded on that on that level so Philip I'd love for you to start out by giving some background about yourself
1: yeah so I guess in a nutshell and I'll kind of tie all of this together why I'm doing what I'm doing so as a kid um, my mom and I left Czechoslovakia at the time Czechoslovakia was communist this was in the uh, mid-80s I was five years old Uh, we left the country and we were in Greece and we were waiting to get our papers to come to the states, and it took a lot longer than we expected because there was an influx of immigrants coming in from North Africa um, at the same time, and so uh, it just took a while for the embassy to process our application. And while we were there, we, uh, Mom ended up having to take you know two jobs, and you know we were definitely, uh, I guess, like many immigrants here, having to make do with a, a lot less. And uh, I walked by a dumpster and I I saw a uh, dump truck uh, the kids dump truck peeking out the the end of it and it was one of those toys that has these oversized bolts on it and um, you know these large wheels and everything that you kind of pull behind you designed to take apart you know to be taken apart by a kid and it was missing the front wheel and I, so I, you know, kind of rummaged around the dumpster, found the missing front wheel, didn't find the bolt that held it in the axle that that made it spin, uh, but jammed uh, something from a toilet paper holder or something like that into the into the hole. And and I quote, I fixed it myself. Right. And and I took a step back and it was this huge eye opening experience for me because it it made me look at the world another way. I, you know, I had this sense of, you know, self-control over my surroundings and, you know, that I felt that I could basically create my own destiny in a way, you know, through, through the things around me, through building things. So, and this was, this, this idea, this thought kind of led me into, you know, we got into the States and I went to school and all that. And, um, Eventually went to uh, undergrad and studied mechanical engineering, um, and then went on to be an engineer.
0: And you've done that, uh, you did that for 12 years, working for a company?
1: Yeah, so I've been working for various companies, uh, small companies like mom and pops with just a few employees to like large companies like IBM that had just you know 300,000 employees. Um, and that's that was one of the inspirations for starting the site. Um, was that I saw that other companies um, brought products to market in kind of the same way, even though they had different tools and different processes and called things differently. Um, they they kind of follow the same method, and that's basically what I outline on the site.
0: So I, I so I got to ask you, being being my personally self, personally personally self, personal self, uh, being from a family company uh I, what was what's something that you loved about the mom and pop shop type operations versus the i'm um, a number out of 300, uh, 300 employees
1: yeah no it was definitely the ability to own the whole part of this process and you weren't just taking something from step d to e or um you weren't just the one guy that did this one thing. It, they expected you to wear many hats and um, take on more responsibility. And I got to learn different parts of the business. Um, one of the entrepreneurs I worked for, I actually ended up working uh, for some of his other ventures that he had. Even though I was a mechanical engineer, I was doing like web design for his like wedding business. And to me, all that stuff was like super exciting because I I got to kind of dip my toe in things that. Um, Yeah, I didn't know anything about and I got to learn that way. I'm very much a hands-on learner.
0: Uh, as am I, so I I, I definitely have a, a deep appreciation for the idea that you had to um, pick up and, and learn multiple things and and do it all uh, yourself because that's that's how I am and as podcasters it makes that transition so much easier because we don't have a team of people like our social media person and our website person and you know the, these these things and you know I I gotta say and and you you I'm sure. I would guess or venture to guess that you probably feel the same way that people that um, I have like kind of a, a distaste for people that are like, oh, you're just a jack of all trades master. And now in your case, you actually have the degree to back that up in, the, in at least in one uh, specific realm of the creation process. But even still. Um, being able to do it yourself, I, I think it—you it, know—it says a lot about problem solving. And as entrepreneurs and, and as you know, creators in general, that's what we're doing uh, pro- constantly: problem solving.
1: No, I agree with that. And you know, uh, I've actually given myself a hard time lately um, because I am a jack of all trades, and especially around engineers, that's typically not how it works. Most engineers tend to specialize they 're very vertical uh, at some point the many people have this goal that they will know more about this one really finite topic than anybody else around them they 'll become that subject matter expert and I was never interested in doing that and um, now that i 've you know so the the economy in Houston is largely based on oil and gas. Oil and gas hasn't done too well. So the company that I was working for back in June closed down. I had to lay off the team that, um, was working for me. And then eventually uh, I was out with them. And, um, and I realized that it, because I didn't have this one particular skill to hang my shingle on, it was actually really difficult for me to pick what I really wanted to do with my time now.
0: Mm, yeah no i i hear you because like that's that was my my uh journey there with like i'm leaving my family's business and i don't have a degree and but i have all this experience working in a hundred million dollar company and um wearing so many hats and interacting with so many different departments on so many different levels and really i mean really being at the helm uh for for a little while there towards the end so it's yeah, it puts you in a position where it's like, oh well, where, what do I, where do I go from here? Because like that was supposed to be the position I should have been in, like twenty, thirty years from now, when I'm like getting really like, ah, I made enough money, it doesn't matter, it's over, um, I can go do it whatever I want now, and it, it doesn't make a difference. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel for you, man, because it's. It, You know, I I could say, like, if I wanted the four, like, if I need a brain surgery, I want to go to the guy that only looks at the brain, right? Or even maybe just, like, one part of the brain. Like, he only focused on the back end of the brain doing research and all that. Like, that kind of stuff where it's, like, life or death. But, as, you know, again, as, as being problem solvers in general, and even then, I still would like my brain surgeon to be a problem solver because... You, you know, you learn something new every day. Something new yep. happens. You know, Anything new experiences, right? Like we don't always know. You'd be like, "Oh man, that guy shouldn't be alive right now." I don't understand what, like, I don't understand this. Then we have to figure it out. Like, he should be dead. Like, you know, right now he should be on that table <laughs> dead, but he's not. So I've never seen this before. We need to figure it out. And and yeah, but at that point, I want a problem solver. I don't want someone to be like, "Oh well, I've never seen this before." Well, then this can't happen. I, you know what? Let's just get somebody else in here. <laughs> So, I'm not the guy that he died. You know, when he does die, it was all my watch. Right. <laughs> um, so, all right. So, you, you, when did you decide that this whole podcasting thing was going to be for you? Were you already a big podcast listener?
1: Uh, yeah, I listened to some podcasts. Uh, so, I had my my comfortable job in corporate America, you know, making six figures, but then, you know, certainly wasn't happy. And so I started listening to podcasts you know, the first one, it's classic, you know, Pat Flynn's, um, podcast. And that kind of opened me up into the world of, Hey, there's all this other content out there that, um, you know, relates to me or I can definitely relate to. And, um, that's kind of how I got on that train. And that was probably, Uh, That was before my daughter was born. And then when my daughter was born and I was literally in the hospital with my wife, she was asleep and I was looking out the window and I was thinking, you know, in 18 years she's going to be in college and I wouldn't have done anything to put my imprint onto the world. You know, I had, I went to business plan competitions. I even got some money, but I never did anything with that money because I waited for that perfect idea or that perfect thing that I could latch onto because looking around me, I saw these people that you know, took that one idea, that one product that their grandfather had that, you know, they kind of tweaked or whatever it was and they just hung their shingle on it and said, okay, now I'm going to go out and do this. And they just followed that one thing and they were successful and I never had that one thing. And, and so, you know, then that was kind of putting me off. But at that moment, look, you know, when I was in the hospital, I thought, you know what, I'm going to start creating a blog and I'm going to write down all the stuff that people ask me you know, people were coming up to me saying, "How do I bring my product into Shark Tank? How do I, um, you know, sell it on Amazon? Those types of things." And some of the questions I knew, some I didn't. But I thought, you know what, this is going to be fun. I'm going to create a blog and I'm going to answer whatever, whatever I can. And then at the end of, you know, so I spent maybe six months creating a ton of content um, while I was uh, helping take care of my daughter, and uh, you know, in between bottle feedings. And then I launched the site in January of 2016 this year and then and i i said you know what i really want to do a podcast because i'd love to interview interview some of these people that came off of shark tank or that actually walked this walk you know built a business for under a couple thousand dollars and created their product
0: no i i love it i mean i i've watched every episode of shark tank and uh it you know w- really what it comes down to is if you don't have that that um that product that like oh grandmom's peanut butter or grandmoms, you know, yep. uh, apple butter or whatever, you know, formula recipe that what, what it comes down to is, is really just getting started because it's those ideas and getting in that creative process. That's going to lead you down the path to where you are today. Um, so, and, and I mean, it's happened for me quite a few times with, with writing books and, and doing talks and, you know, just yep. doing, uh, just doing what I'm doing instead of just sitting back and being like, Oh, well, this isn't the perfect idea. I'm not the perfect person for it. And there's people that um, have either struggled more than me or, or they're, they're more qualified. Right. But maybe they're not doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, you know, they might yeah. have the same idea too, but the, it's all about the um, perspective at that point that you bring to the table and, and what you um, have to offer. So yep. uh, I totally uh, applaud you for getting started to, to bring that together and uh, giving a pl- people a place to, to, uh, I guess tap into their inner creativity and their inner creator. Mm-hmm. Not just creativity, but create. I mean, it's from. I assume it's derivative of the same word: create, creativity, creative, cre- creator. I, I yeah, know, no, it's I'll be it's, here all week.
1: it's a good place for people that are makers or people that want to bring their ideas to life. To just kind of you know poke around and see how much effort it's really going to take. And I think, especially now, um, there's never been a better time to take your own products to market because of all the advances that we've had in technology and, um, you know, developments in e-commerce and all these other things that kind of come together, crowdfunding that is like this perfect storm that says, Hey, you know what? In the past, you used to have to have a team, but now you can outsource bits. Um, as if you were a builder for building a house, uh, in theory, you could build the house yourself, Uh, If you had all the time in the world and maybe skills, if you wanted to learn all the skills, you could technically do it yourself. But maybe now you're just going to hire the guy that pours the foundation and does the, uh, you know, puts the framing in and you're going to do the tile work because you know how to do it. And you might save some money and you might have a particular perspective on it. And that's basically where I'm coming from. It's like this combination of DIY and product development.
0: Yeah. You, well, yeah, you can do anything if you have the time and the energy to do it. I mean, at, at that point, though, I don't know that if you're building a house, I don't know that I would recommend doing your own tile unless you are really adamant about it. And I'm like, I'd be like, you know, that's great. But like, how? what could you be doing with that time? Otherwise, you're already spending all the money to make a house like what What? like you're sure. so you're stepping over dollars to save pennies or, uh, the, you know,
1: you know, I and I uh, before I before I got married, I bought a foreclosure with the help of some friends. It was basically uninhabitable. And, uh, so I got some, some personal loans from, from some friends because the bank wouldn't lend me a loan and ripped this foreclosed house down to studs. And so I worked on it for two years. And at that point I realized that like nonstop after work, like six o'clock to like 10 o'clock uh, with my mom, cause she's a realtor and she helped me buy the house. And, um, and I, so I, I, I know what you're saying about uh, outsourcing the things that you can't do. But at the same time, I had this like particular vision and the people that would execute on it were way out of my price range. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to roll up my sleeves and do this. And and in most cases, I mean, I probably hired two or three people that were professionals, you know, licensed plumbers, licensed uh, HVAC guys that were would, you know, had the tools and equipment I hope we'll an electrician, too. Um, well, yeah, to replace the box. But at the same time, I ran all my electrical to all the individual things that I wanted and had the electrician just come in and do a check. And in Texas, we don't have um, uh, we don't have any restrictions for stuff like that. So you can do your own as long as it's it's um, inspected. And so, you know, I saved a ton of money and I got exactly what I wanted. Uh, it definitely took me a lot longer, but I learned along the way. And now I definitely won't do that now. I've got a daughter and a you know, family, and I don't have the time for that. But when I do hire a contractor, I'm able to ask an educated question about, hey, how do you terminate this type of splice over here? Or how are you going to run this? Are you going to put it in conduit? You know Those types of things that maybe the average homeowner would, would leave up to the vendor and maybe not you know miss something.
0: Right. No, I, I totally agree. Um, and you traded that time because you can either trade time and energy or, or dollars for for what you do or what you need done. And, um, I, and I would like in that case, I would, I think that's awesome that you did. And you learned a ton of stuff. You probably obtained a ton of tools or at least borrowed a ton of tools to make all that happen. Uh, and, and that's, that's, that's awesome. I, my point was like, if you, if you're just going to like have everybody do everything, but I'm going to do this one specific thing, you yeah. might wanna just be like, you know, what what am I really saving here? Absolutely. Um, right. Because and then 'cause you don't know what your life's gonna bring tomorrow. Like leave that up to a professional that that that's all these do like he doesn't have to go to work and then do the tile. But if you're not doing the tile quick enough, maybe you're holding up the kitchen cabinetry or something like right. that you know what I mean? Like that right. that kind of thing can happen. So um I would I would definitely recommend not doing it at that point, unless you really had the time or was gonna tile like the whole like floor, like Wall to wall tile. Um anyway, so I uh, so have you Deb you gotten a job since you left or since you were 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 kicked out of your last job?
1: Uh no, you know, and I've I've used this as an opportunity to kind of refocus on the thi- on my my younger child, you know. I um so growing up, I was a only child to a single parent, and that meant I watched my mom work two jobs and do a lot of things, and I saw that the lack of money brought a ton of stress you know um especially because she was self-employed uh, i saw that you know insurance was really important i saw uh saving for retirement was super important i saw what one unexpected emergency could do uh, to your emergency fund and so i was conservative financially growing up uh, where you know we definitely didn't spend a whole lot of money on anything and then as I graduated college, the work that I took on, even though I was really interested in it, there was definitely an end goal of, okay, I'm going to take this job. I'm X percent interested in it, but it has a 12% race. And I kind of climbed the ladder in a way to where I got into management after, you know, eight, 10 years and, you know, quote, got what I wanted and realized that I wasn't happy. And the last couple of places I worked in were you know, don't get me wrong. If you're managing a team and you love the people that you work with, that's one thing. But if you're managing a team and your role has been reduced into being an administrator um, and that's all you're doing and you're a- away from being the creator or doing what you enjoy doing, oh man, it just killed me inside. You know, and so I would drive into work and just grip the steering wheel like, here goes another day where, yes, I got what I wanted. We're financially in a good spot. We definitely live below our means. The house is paid off. Uh, you know, there's all this stress that's relieved, by the way, one of the least sexy things you could do to live below your means is so freeing. I can't tell you the, oh man, how much weight was taken off my shoulders when I paid off the mortgage and I could, I would sit in these meetings where people were talking about, downsizing and laying people off. And obviously it hit me and we were still a single income household at that point because my wife had some complications post-pregnancy. But, um, I thought, you know what, we're going to be okay. Like it's not that big of a deal. The market sucks and I know I can't get another job, but we're not going to be on the street. So, I mean, that's not the question that you asked, but I guess, you know, leaving the job back in June, like made me just kind of like, like take this monster breath where I could now like reconnect and say, okay, back when I was five, I had this dream of, you know, making things or doing things or having, um, you know, having this impact on a world. And what is that? I need to reconnect with that, with that kid again, because I've lost who I was in the last 12 years by, by chasing this, this goal that don't get me wrong. You know, if you don't have money, Money will make you happy. And the only people that say money doesn't bring you happiness are the people that have money. Right. <laughs> and so, and so that, I mean, so I'm, you know, and I'm definitely speaking from that perspective where, you know, I finally got what I wanted and I realized, you know, that these are all really nice things, but I hate when I'm spending the best part of my day, the nine hours of my day, which I have the most energy and the, uh, you know, everything is like to this job that doesn't connect with me. Hmm. Um, because the tasks that I'm doing at that job don't fulfill me.
0: Right. And I, I could totally, like, I totally resonate with all of what you're saying. Um, and you know, I, yeah, the, having, having that mortgage, um, is the biggest, uh, down, you know, downfall of, of being able to be free of like, okay, well, I, you know, okay. So it costs well, I don't know what your taxes are down there in Texas, but like around here, it's, it's like $8,000 a year. So, but if you break that down into a year, I mean, that would be like less than, you know, 800 bucks or whatever a month, less than 800 bucks a month. So it's like, okay, well, that's not that hard to come by. Like you could do all kinds of things to make that kind of money um, yeah. versus like, Oh, the mortgage is 2,200. <laughs> like every single month, it's, it, you know, it adds right. up quick. And then you start talking about like, let's have cars, new cars. Okay. Well now it's, three, you know, basically 400, $500 per car. And that, you know, that adds up. And, um, before you know it, you need, you need those jobs to be able to pay for all that stuff.
1: Yeah. And I don't want to, uh, to throw that out there and say, Hey, we live in a perfect neighborhood because we don't, you know, I bought the house when I was single before I even met my wife and it doesn't work for a family. You know, there's some things that my wife is like, you know, I wish we had blank or I wish we had a neighborhood that had families in it. Or I wish that we live in a, a neighborhood that had a good school system. So it's not ideal. You know, we've got an 18 month old daughter, but at the same time, I'm looking five years from now to say, you know what? We don't really need it right now. You know, we ideally we need a house five years from now that's in this certain spot. And right now my focus is on you know, growing the business and focusing on where I can add value and using this as an opportunity because the market is so depressed that I don't want to just go out there and get a job just to have something right now. Unfortunately, my wife went back to work and, and, you know, so, so the pressure's off a little bit and I'm able to focus on things that really just bring me that, you know, that joy.
0: Well, is, that, is somebody watching the baby for you during the day?
1: Yeah, you know, it was time for my wife was watching our daughter until she was maybe 16, 17 months, which was really great. Uh, wife is a physical therapist, and uh, so you know her physical skills got really improved because she was like working on her like a patient pretty much. <laughs> um, and uh, but at, at this point, she's uh, she started her terrible twos early in a way where she's you know exploring the house and and doesn't understand no, uh, which you know kids won't. At, at that, that they, at that age, they just, you know, they just explore, quote, and just pull things apart and they want to learn and they want to be involved in what you're doing. And there's no way that I was able to get stuff done, even with the door closed and everything. Um, and so it just so happened that my wife was able to find a, a uh, a good job and I thought, okay, perfect. You know, my you know, daughter's going to daycare so she can, uh, she can get schooled <laughs> and they do a really good there. job.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, so, well, all right. So, how, how did your family take this idea that you were like, okay, I'm going to start my own business, and it's going to do this thing called podcast, where they may or not may or may not have ever heard of what a podcast is.
1: Well, you know, I had started the podcast before I was laid off, and so they kind of, they were okay with all that because I was doing it off on the side and I was just trying to make it work. Um, After I got laid off, it was, it kind of spun off into, okay, now I want to just do consulting. I want to go and work with some of these small companies that I worked with again to do product development end to end. Instead of just being a hired gun that you pay me by the hour, like someone off of Freelancer, I want to take on these larger projects where I'll help you, you know, revamp something in your product line or come up with a new product or whatever it is. Um, and they were, they're supportive of that because until now I've basically done quote the right thing financially, the risk adverse thing from a, a job perspective. And so my mom's definitely like, Oh yeah, get out there and do your own thing. But you know, obviously she comes from a different place. Whereas my wife was like, Um, how long are you going to do that for, you know? And, but she's awfully, obviously super supportive. Um, so, uh, you know, she went back to work just so I could do this. So, I, you know, no, I guess I, I I don't really have any complaints. You know, things are really good right now.
0: Oh, no, I, I, I definitely, um, understand because my wife had to go back to work after, um, almost six months of, after having our baby. So it's, um, it's tough because like I'm here, but I'm also watching Ava at the same time as trying to do work and and you know be with here for her and in the moment. So it's it's been a it's been a, a, a struggle for me to say the least to jump. Yeah, I can't imagine. That. <laughs> um, and then you know not sleeping through the night has been really rough. Um, makes it all the harder, especially when you're trying to do creative things and you're exhausted. With all that said, Philip, what's been the biggest roadblock for you?
1: Uh, you know, it's been finding that fine pulling at that thread that's going to bring you that return. You know, I don't have a problem scaling systems, processes, improving on something that's working or even if it's not working. But it's been finding getting the, enough feedback on a, a test that I'm putting out there. Uh, for example, the target audience for the product startup initially was inventors uh, because those were the people that I connected with locally in Houston. The, the My first couple of clients were young professionals that wanted to create their own products. So I thought, okay, I'm going to gear this site directly for them. The great majority of individual people, whether they're, um, you know, stay at home moms or dads or, uh, people that want to do things as a side hustle, the great majority of them will not pay for any type of service or content when it comes to, um, creating a product. At least that's been my finding and very painful finding after about six months of, you know, putting the side up and creating a podcast. And so now they, and pivoted back into the group that I first started my career with, which is small businesses. So.
0: yeah, you know, it, it, it's tough with, um it's tough with stuff like that because you've, you would think that people would want to invest in something that they have an idea about, but the thing is, is they're probably not passionate enough about it. And if they are passionate enough about it, that means they're a do-it-yourselfer, and they're going to do the Google searches and the YouTube videos to figure it out on their own,
1: which is fine. I was just happy. I was happy to basically provide them that you know that free material and just be there as a coach or a guide for you know whenever you got stuck. I think um, most of the people I ran into were either conditioned to not trust. Anyone that's selling anything related to inventions because late night TV commercials have taught us to not believe the three payments for $29.99 for invention kit. And then two, it was um, a a fact that most most of the people wanted – they saw their product as their way of getting money. So why would they spend money uh, before they had it? And so this was basically their ticket out you know, it was, to, was to create a product that generated all this income. And so they weren't really willing to invest a whole lot into it. I mean, even to the point where I said, Hey, listen, I would get this book off of Amazon. It's not even my book, but, uh, it's going to walk you through a lot of the steps, uh, on pat, patenting a product yourself. And they're like, nah, I don't know if I want to spend $20. And, and I thought, okay, well I, I get that and it gets, you know, times are tough but at the same time like i you know part of this site is non-profit but part of it has to be profit because otherwise i'm going to be going back to corporate so i need to switch my you know i need to switch my my message around
0: and that's a that's such a that's such a shame isn't it like oh i had this wonderful idea it's going to be so great i can't wait so everybody can get it but the reality is is patenting stuff can be what like up to ten thousand dollars between Absolutely. lawyers fees and stuff so it's like i'm not willing to spend twenty dollars but it's on a book that you didn't even write like you yeah. the guy that's telling you to go buy his book didn't even write the book has like very little i mean what like an amazon affiliate code you're gonna get like four to six percent on the sale of yeah. that book like but no, 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 no. I'm gonna get this done, and and we're gonna get a patent. But but you're not because you you won't even spend twenty bucks on a book.
1: Well, and I and I notice this more in you know, and if you go on forums, especially like Facebook groups, where I so I'm an admin on a Facebook group for inventors. Uh, it's pretty active. And it might be, you know, 1500 people in the group and I'll post content that is relative because that's you know the whole name of the game is trying to get some of your content out. And so it's, for example, how to find a manufacturer and what questions to ask them for your product. And I'll post the link and I'll get maybe four likes and six clicks, you know, and then not even a day or two later, someone will say, hey, I'm looking for a manufacturer. Any ideas on how I can find one? And so in the comments, I'll say, hey, here's step one, two and three. And by the way, um, here's a link in case uh, you want to to find out more. Don't read the link. Reply back to my comment. Okay, but what about step four? And at that point, I thought, you know what? This isn't my ideal client. I don't want to continue working with these people because I'm not going to be happy. I'm just going to trade my corporate job for another job that's working with clients that maybe I don't enjoy working with, as opposed to the guys that you know, and girls like <laughs> men and women that I found were in Houston that were young professionals. That you know, we clicked. We met up for coffee, and every time we met, they made like tons of progress, and I was just kind of you know steering them along. It was just two completely different worlds.
0: You know what's funny is is when you think about that, and then, or at least when I think about that, it's like the people that, that need a coach are the ones that don't want to be coached, and the ones that don't need a coach are the ones that are willing to spend the money and be coached. Because they're going to figure it out on their own. They just want that validation that, you know, that's that validation to hear it from somebody else versus like the people that don't like, the, I don't need a coach. But and realistically, they they do need somebody to push them along because guarantee you, you send them that book, they're like, eh, I don't need that. Like, yeah. but, but, you know, because I, I, my wife is always like, oh, th- this would be a great idea. We could totally make this session. I'm like, okay, so you want to go through the process of like probably a two, up to two year or more process just to get the product created and sourced, um, patented. So you have $10,000? No, I don't have ten. Okay, well, we got to get somebody that can give us $10,000 to get this patented. We needed it to be tested, like, And basically, I got to we both got to quit our jobs to make this happen if we want to be serious about it and actually turn it into something that becomes a business rather than just like, oh, like I have a friend um, who has the patent for ketchup and mustard in the same container, but he's never done anything with it because he never wanted to sell it because it was always worth too much, you know, to him to sell it to like Heinz or something like that but he never did anything with it cuz he's he's not in the ketchup and mustard business. So you know, it's like, well, why don't you get a royalty deal then? Well, that would be great, but the thing is that costs money to just have the lawyers to make all that happen so you don't get screwed. Like yeah. but you had to you also got to have the time to do it. So it's like uh, it Yeah, and there's definitely,
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think that you need a ton of money necessarily, but you definitely need the dedication to turn off the TV, turn off Game of Thrones, turn off all the other stuff that's distracting. Um, you know, I prioritize my daughter and my wife and my family. Um, and that's it, you know, and you make those, those sacrifices to say, Hey, you know what, this is really important. Like I'm going to believe in this idea enough to, um, to go and figure out how to, I'm going to read all the books about, uh, going out there and finding my own license deal, or I'm going to talk to people, anyone that's going to listen to me about licensing my product and get a feel for it. And then I might just do it on my own. I'm going to send, I'm going to cold call 20 companies and and ask them if they want to license it because I've got a patent on it already which is huge and and then, you know, and then if I realize I need a lawyer, then I'm going to go and talk to a lawyer and then we're going to see how much it really costs and then maybe the company can pay for that or maybe, you know, I'm going to make it work somehow instead of just like like defeating, you know, self-defeating yourself before you even get to that point, you know.
0: Right. I mean, it's just about being realistic too and and the um in the expectations of what you can what you feel like you can accomplish in that an amount of time and um and just you know like I said just being realistic about the expectations of of what you can do and then because at the end of the day great you you spent you know two years and a whole bunch of money, and you don't know that it's definitely going to sell um now you got to go and sell it <laughs> now you got to go and market it, so not only do you got to wear all the hats to get you to that point now you got to actually go and and be that person that that sells it. Um, to people or, or on Facebook or wherever you got to do it, like, you know, build websites or you got to pay for someone to build a website, um, or do the Facebook ads or pay someone to do the, like that all adds up too. And if you don't have sales right out of the gate to like fund all that, uh, plus the, you know, the loans or whatever you had to do to, to make that money just to get to that point in the first place. It's it's just tough. It is it is a little self defeating. Um, just you know because it's like how many ideas just never get made because it's like well they'll be great. Now with that said, three D printers are a wonderful thing that can help speed up that process. But even that, I mean, a good three D printer, what fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars.
1: Yeah. So, and I wouldn't even buy a 3D printer personally if I was just looking to make one invention. There's services that you can send out, and or there's send out your specs. Send out your specs. Yeah. Um, There's a website called 3Dhubs.com where you can find like local 3D printers in your area that have signed up to print stuff for you. Um, But no, I mean taking a step back from that, one of the guests that was on the show, Kelly Costello, she started uh, cake mix for dogs uh, like 10 years ago. And just because she saw that it wasn't on the market and she saw a gap in the market for creating this mix and she started in her kitchen and literally less than two or five thousand dollars, I forget the exact number now, and two months she was already selling product with just throwing up a website and basically saying, Hey, here's what I have. And then she obviously scaled and moved into Amazon and got bigger mixers and hired employees and did all these other things. But I mean, you could literally go from zero to nothing with for relatively small amounts of money. Uh, it's just the dedication of saying, Hey, I'm going to commit myself to, to doing this.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, it also depends on the type of product that you're trying to create. In that case, it's right. something she could bake, right? Or, you know, make that mix right in her own house and get the get the ball rolling a lot quicker than like. Right. I have this idea for this awesome technological advancement, new phone thing that like you put on oh, your yeah. face and it's VR. Like, okay, w- w- well, are, I mean, do you? Who do you, you? Software, hardware, like where? Where's all that going to go? Like, you can ha- you can dream up these awesome ideas, but like. They have to actually be feasible, and you really should have somebody who knows what the heck they're doing when it comes to sourcing these parts and sourcing right. the creation. Like, there's a reason why Google and 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 Am- or uh, Amazon and 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 Apple are like the big big ones doing that, you know, and Microsoft as well um, with their services. But yeah, it, like there's a reason because they had the money and the time and the people, like literally just sitting around waiting to go and build that next product, you know? Right. Um, and yeah, so it's, it depends. It really depends on what you're trying to create. So you simple, more simple, the better, simpler, the better to get started. And that's what they're saying. It's like the minimal viable product, you know, where can you start? Um, cause you know, we always people, we always see people like, oh man, they got to like, they're at this level. And it's like, yeah, but it took them like, even if it took a year or two or three years, like you're at zero and you want to grow to that. Um, you, you, can't, you can't just do that out of the gate necessarily, unless you have a bunch of money with a team of people literally sitting around waiting for the orders to build the next awesome thing that you come up with, which most people don't. So, uh, you know, don't get self defeated by that idea of like, Oh, well, if I can't go from, you know, having, um, this one plate, like I want to open up a little store, like a little shop. And then if I can't go to having as many places as there are Walmarts or McDonald's in the country or the world, then I, why even bother?
1: Yeah, no, And that's a good point. You know, you start small. You know, I talk to people that say, hey, I have this idea. I don't know where to start. And I always tell them to go and Google. First of all, validate the market. Do a quick no go, no go. What type of barriers exist for you to sell in that market? You know, is it a children's product and there's certain child safety laws that apply? Is it uh, do you need certain type of testing? Uh, such as FCC testing for electronics or FDA testing for uh, health products and things like that. Just do a quick Google search, and if it's going to cost you 50 grand to get something past FDA, maybe you don't want to start with that right now. But at the same time, if, it, if you've got 10 ideas, you can probably parse through them really quickly and find maybe the two or three that are low barriers to entry, such as, you know, dog food mix or uh, another guest that we had on the show that did miniature construction materials like cinder blocks, uh, you know, mini materials. And, the you know, these ideas and, and people look at these ideas and they say, hey, they're really good ideas, but they're not necessarily maybe revolutionary. They're not they're changing the world. I think they are in maybe a small way, but you can't think of of, you know, the concept of creating a product or something to say, hey, it needs to be something that's vastly different. It could just be something that kind of tweaks it a little bit. That's an improvement or a different, it it fits a certain niche better, or maybe it's a design for a particular demographic. Maybe it's designed for your grandma or for your 18 month old, or for somebody that is not normally designed to hold that tool or that piece of equipment. Um, And so there's all sorts of ways for you to kind of basically find that niche and, and get started and and start talking to your, you know, your target audience.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I, I think, uh, I think you, 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 really do need to, you know, cause even if all right, so it's like, Hey, it's $50,000. Well, maybe instead of like $50,000 to go do that, that child's product, maybe it's a, an idea that you could sell to, to a company. You know what I mean? You could sell the idea, at least get like some kind of prototype together and then you get yourself a lawyer. Now you're not talking 50,000. You're talking, five to ten thousand you know what i mean right. like and it's and right. it's five to ten thousand over the course of maybe many months versus like like pretty much all at once to, like well, to get speak it to all your on. idea
1: yeah to speak to the idea directly what you could do is file a provisional patent application and you can even do that yourself and it's about two to three hundred dollars through the uspto and what that means is you'll get patent pending status on your product um and then you can start approaching people with you know, with the confidence to say, OK, hey, I I filed a PPA and if you license this, they will help you file the patent. They might even use their own lawyers to file the patent for you and pay for that uh, because you have the rights to that. I mean, that's it, basically everything's negotiable, right? I, you go in and within the room and and maybe you take uh, instead of taking 6% you're taking 4% but they pay for the patent up front so you've got no upfront costs so maybe your annuities aren't that great but hey you're making something i don't want to say for nothing but for very little
0: yeah you're making well you're making something out of almost nothing i mean you know 2 300 bucks for the i didn't even realize it was that cheap for a provisional um,
1: if you do it yourself. Yeah. Okay. As opposed to hiring a lawyer. And that's something that I think is possible to do yourself. Again, if you get a book off of Amazon,
0: $20, um, I can't, I can't yeah. say $20. Are you crazy? Uh, and
1: and definitely do it yourself. If if you go <laughs> and, and talk to a lawyer, I think they're, they're going to want between one and 2000 for a provisional. And like you said, the whole patent application is five to 10. In my opinion, Uh, It's very rare to go from zero to full patent application without testing the market. I always tell people, get a provisional patent application, use that year to prove your idea, talk to manufacturers, talk to your target audience, um, and then try to sell it and then have the market pay for it. If you start selling out of the trunk of your car and you're able to scrape up five, ten grand to get a patent before that year expires, you don't need investors at that point. Now you've bootstrapped.
0: Right. Yeah, no, definitely going to like flea markets and going to uh, trade shows. I mean, trade shows may be a little bit that, that that's probably I would say that's probably the next step. Once you've proven that, out like, hey, anybody maybe. wants it. Oh, yeah. This
1: should... <laughs> I've seen that. I've literally seen somebody like open up their trench coat and like bring out a briefcase and like try to sell me something while I was an exhibitor. Um, <laughs> so, hey, hey, you know, the hustle is strong with some people, so I'm not going to knock it.
0: Yeah, hey, whatever, whatever it takes. The trench coat <laughs> thing, I, I, I wouldn't recommend that. It, it seems a bit creepy. Um. <laughs> so, what would you? What was uh, your childhood dream growing up? Was it, I mean? It seems like this is what you you wanted to do as a child, which is I applaud you for for doing that.
1: So in my mind, I thought that I was going to create like these products that just like change the world. And then I became an engineer and realized I'm just like this tiny cog in making products that changed the world, maybe. Um, And so I I, I wanted to have a better role in that. And I definitely wanted to maybe pick and choose the products that that paid me good salary aren't necessarily the ones that I wanted to work on. You know, they're the ones that maybe large corporations needed or business needed, but the, not the ones that spoke to me as a person to say, Hey, this is going to make the impact in the way that I want.
0: You know, I, I definitely feel the same way growing up, uh, wanting to, to do things that help change the world or change, do things that, you know, made a difference in people's lives and, and, and doing that through creating products for people. Um, unfortunately I, I didn't wind up doing that, but I, I, in a, in some ways I have. So it's, it's crazy, uh, how things work out the way they do. Um, so Philip, what's your dreams for the of future look like? I mean, you, you said earlier, you got five years that you're like, okay, that's when we really need to get a house, which would put your daughter about seven years old, six, six and a half, seven. So I, I mean, I would argue maybe a little bit sooner than that, probably closer to the three mark personally if, if it was if I was in your situation I would be arguing for like the three closer to three years but what's what do your dreams for the future look like
1: you know long-term goals I just want to have that good family balance you know my mom was self-employed so that she could pick me up from school so that she could spend time with me when I wanted um, you know to but then at the same time I was left alone to do my own things and a bit of an introvert when I was growing up um, so I think that's my goal for my life is to have that work life balance. You know, I don't have this poster of a jet, uh, on my wall or like a Rolls Royce and, you know, five cars in the driveway. That's not what motivates me. It's, um, you know, maybe it'd be nice to have a vacation home in some other, uh, place other than Houston, (laughs) um, to where we could escape to and maybe rent out during the summers you know that's it it's a it's a very simple goal for me it's having that life balance and having the ability to kind of decide that hey you know what i want to take today off with my daughter and we're going to go to the museum and we're going to play around with stuff because i don't feel like working today and but then obviously hustling you know the other five or six days a week at night and you know you know that that would make me happy
0: well i i had a pl- I'm going to literally applaud you, uh, because a lot of people don't get that, that, um, that mentality of like money doesn't make me, it doesn't matter to me. Um, I could care less how much I'm making as long as I can do what it is that I'm enjoying. And, um, and, and and in all seriousness, I mean, it sounds like a a fantasy, but it's, but it's not, it's something that's very real. Once you take your mind and I, and I'm not big on the whole, like, Oh, your mindset is everything. Like it, it helps, um, but the rea- you know i 'm more of a, a a realistic optimist and and you what you have to do is you have to set goals to get there uh, and and part of that goal setting is changing that that mindset of like okay it 's like you said what, being conservative with money i I for the most part have been conser- like i was conservative but not really conservative like I hate spending unnecessary money, but i don 't mind spending money where it makes sense to me at the sure. time kind of thing. So it's kind of like, uh, I guess I'm moderate <laughs> in the, right in the middle, but, um, but there is that, that poor, that poor, um, person mindset versus that rich person mindset. where like, Hey, I could pay someone to do this or I could save everything. And it doesn't matter how much money you have. Money doesn't make that, that mindset choice. It's a lot of times it's, it's how you grew up, um, and how you, you just want, you know, you, you, um, Assess your wants versus needs and stuff like that. And it, it probably goes even deeper than that. Like the whole therapist session could probably occur to f- help figure that out. But. Uh, so I, I definitely applaud you for uh, wanting to to take that time to be like, look, I, I I'm not going to work today. Now, I, like you, I'm sure, and and myself, uh, we both have the itch. We both had the desire to work. We both had the desire to create. That's one of the reasons we have a podcast. That's one of the reasons that we're helping people and that we're here, um, you know, in in the first place, talking. So, it, you know, there's people who love to work, but I don't know that necessarily that they. Maybe it's like an escapism for them, like working is escaping versus working because I want, like, I work hard to work more, to create more, to better myself and to better for other people. Not like, oh, I, you know, I just put in like, you know, 50 hours in the last like three days because I can, you know, I'm hardcore like that. Like, but what did you really accomplish during that time? Because you were probably exhausted out of your mind. Now, with that said, there's always time that, like, hey, we have deadlines that we need to meet. There's there's things that have right. to be done in a certain amount of time. where I'm I'm just going to drink that can of Red Bull or or that extra coffee or whatever that five hour energy and get through it to to muscle my way through it. Um, but you know, there's definitely we need to be conscious of of sleep and and all of that, and that's a whole other show for a whole another time. <laughs> Um so before we share how people can uh, connect with you Philip online is there any last thoughts you'd like to share
1: You know I yeah I'm going to just encourage everybody to just start period whatever that is whatever you've been wanting to do that little thought in the back of your mind that says I've always wanted to learn how to paint I've always wanted to take a class in this I've always uh you know I I I want to build this or I want to create that or I want to touch people in a certain way I want to volunteer Do it in the smallest way possible. Whatever that next step is, just go out there and take that next step and start as a create a habit, basically, where you're let's say you only devote 30 minutes a day, uh, an hour a week, whatever that is, you start just working on it. And I guarantee you that if you keep that habit for a month, it's going to roll. You're going to see some progress. You're going to feel good about working on it. You're going to feel excited to get uh, to, to start making progress on it. Um, but if you don 't start if you don 't commit today to making that that you know that, that jump off it 'll never happen
0: yes yes i I always say it starts with a google search that 's that 's where you need to start and uh, if you can 't be willing to do a Google search or pay twenty dollars for a book um, and and i, I you know i 'm one to talk because i don 't read a whole lot of books anyway but um, cause I'm a very slow reader, but with that said, if you aren't a slow reader, like, like Joe over here, uh, then, you know, pay 20 bucks for a book and at least you get the, the knowledge and the experience out of it or look up a documentary. You know, I watch lots of documentaries. That's what I watch when I do my elliptical stuff. So, you know, figure out how it is that you can learn and then go and do it. And, but like I said, it generally starts with a Google search. And if you don't know what it is, you know, what it is that you're looking for, just guess and then guess again and guess again until you get it right. And if you're not willing to do that, then I, I it's very hard to help somebody. You, I, at that point, I think you you need more help than that we can give you at this point.
1: You know, I used to uh, – when I was still working, I would take time from lunch and pull myself away from the keyboard because I'm definitely a workaholic and I'll sit in front of the screen until my eyes bleed. And so I'd, I'd force myself to take a lunch and I'd sit outside on a picnic bench, especially in Houston, which is, is – pretty dicey with the weather. It's crazy hot. Um, And people would look at me like a weirdo. But I would take that one hour lunch and focus on me or focus on my side hustle or focus on uh, outlining what my next goal is going to be. Just take that one time out and take that step. And I I promise you it's going to feel a whole lot better once you start getting into the habit of doing it, you know, X times a week, three, four times a week.
0: You know what? I, I take that back. I don't want to say that it's more. You need more help than I am able to give you right here, right now. Because actually, what you know what it is is you need to take the time to to search deeper and harder in yourself to figure out what it is you actually want in life and what you want to do. You know, so before then, you can go and do that Google search because the answers will be a lot clearer to you at that point. So I I apologize. I, I. yeah definitely dig dig deeper look harder and um then do then do your google searches if you're not willing to do a google search on the one thing that you're like i want to do this but i'm not willing to pay 20 bucks for a book or i'm not willing to do a google search and read a few articles just to get a grasp on like what it is that i think it is that i want to do so i apologize um and if I edited the show, I probably would edit that out. But I don't edit the show anymore, so it's, it's <laughs> you got to take my apology. Uh, Philip, can you please share how people can uh, follow you along, follow along with you online?
1: Yeah, you know the best place to find me is on theproductstartup dot com, and there's links at the bottom for all my social media stuff. Uh, there's links for the podcast. Everything is off the site. Uh, so just go to the product and, and you could check me out and, you know, feel free to hit the button that says, ask Philip, if you got a question, I'd be happy to, uh, to start an email with you.
0: Awesome. I would totally recommend it. Now you can't see it in the, with the pot and listening to the podcast, but I could see he has a, uh, a really awesome workshop behind him, uh, with lots of things. Do you have a 3d printer?
1: I do. I, yeah, I you built do. my own 3D printer. You yeah.
0: built your own 3D printer.
1: It was off of a kit. So I'm going to have a cop out there and say I didn't design it, but I did get a kit and uh, build it and put it together, and I printed some parts for it that actually went to make the 3D printer better. So, yeah, that's a bit meta. <laughs> but-
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Philip, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Dreamers Podcast. I'd love to have you on the show again um it, you know in, in a year or so and we'll talk you know talk about how you've been and, and catch up and and all that so uh hopefully you're still doing the podcast and rocking it and you find that niche of people that are willing to pay 20 bucks for a book that you didn't even write or maybe well it doesn't even matter why even bother writing a book at that point if people aren't willing to pay 20 bucks to read a, you know to get a book and read it so <sighs> thank you again philip i really appreciate it
1: thanks joe it was uh, my pleasure coming on the show i had a great time Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dreamerspodcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to j at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by JPAR.co.